This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. Scottish Mortgage is considered the flagship trust of Edinburgh-based investment managers Bailey Gifford and is the UK's largest investment trust. As with any investment, please note capital is at risk. To find out more, please visit scottishmortgageit.com. Hello and welcome to The Advice Show. From financial advice to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insight into the financial planning profession. My name is James Fitzgerald, Senior Reporter at NMA, and today I'm joined yet again by Tim Fassam, Director of Government Relations and Policy at PIMFA. Tim, welcome back. Thanks, James. Delighted to be back. Now, anytime something big regulatory or policy-wise comes out, we like to get you on the show to talk it through. And one of the bigger things to happen over the past year or so is the FCA's recent consultation on the British Steel Pension Scheme Redress Scheme, which was published last week. Uh, this consultation has been a long time coming, and many, even the FCA, doubted it would ever happen. Now, for a little bit of background, the FCA predicts the scheme will compensate steel workers for unsuitable pensions transfer advice they received between 2016 and 2018. The FCA also estimates that 1,400 steel workers will receive a combined total of just over 71 million in redress under the scheme, and it could apply to 343 advice firms, including three large, 24 mid-size and 316 small IFAs. So firstly, Tim, I guess, why is this scheme so important? Um, Thanks, James. It's it's important because I think there are some very real uh, British steel savers who have ended up in a a really bad position um, because they did not get suitable advice. There are then a whole host of complicating factors um, for many uh, financial advisors that interlink with what counts as suitable. Where is the harm uh, caused to to the the saver? How um, has the regulatory process operated? How does the supervisory process operate? And so one of the reasons this is so important, as well as uh, compensating those customers who have a genuine claim for compensation is this will have an impact throughout the whole of the DB transfer market and in fact already has as we've seen the number of firms um, wanting to provide advice in this market shrink by by one half and uh, significant changes to PII. So even if as a firm you haven't provided advice specifically on British Steel, um, this may well have elements that are important to you if you have ever uh, given advice on a DB transfer or have wanted to engage in that market but have not felt confident to do so. Yeah, perfect. And, you know, this has been dragging on for quite a while. I mean, as I said before, you know, the scheme is aiming to give compensation to steel workers who got the unsuitable advice between 2016 and It's now 2022, um, you know, almost halfway through the year. Why did it take so long to get here? 
Um, I think they had wanted to, I think there's a few reasons. I think they had wanted to see how the, the market would handle the issue um, without a formalized compensation scheme. I think there were a whole host of questions around uh, British Steel itself and the move of the British Steel pension scheme into the Pension Protection Fund. Uh, and I think there was an element that actually until 2020, arguably the FCA's regulatory and supervisory approach was not very clear. And so firms weren't in a place where they felt they could accurately assess whether advice was uh, suitable according to the FCA's model. Um, I think we would have all wanted to see action sooner, including action um, while this was happening, because I think people were aware there was a risk here. And in fact, the National Audit Office and their report on the, the um, response, the FCA's response to British Steel do highlight this, um, that, that there was an awareness, there was a problem, but the regulator did not have the processes and perhaps the regulatory tools to manage that beyond publishing a bit of a warning at the time. So I think certainly an area where for future similar events, if they were to occur, we would want to see significantly faster action that is aimed primarily at preventing the harm from taking place hmm. um, rather than taking a number of years uh, over which the, the practice continued and then another couple of years to get uh, to the point where there is an agreed process for, for analysing and assessing uh, any harm that may have been caused. Well, I suppose your point there um, is that, you know, there would be no need for a rather expensive redress scheme if the processes and policy were, were right in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, they wanted to see once they had published the guidance on how to assess DB transfer advice uh, in 2020 and then the forward looking um, advice last year, uh, they wanted, I think, to see how firms responded to that, how FOS responded to that uh, and how consumers responded to that. And they, mm -hmm. they have now assessed the market. They've done a number of assessments specifically of the advice that um, British Steel pensioners received, and they now believe that there is sufficient evidence of widespread harm that a formal scheme is, is needed. Now, you mentioned uh, PI insurance earlier. Um, when I was sifting through this consultation doc last week in the wee hours, um, the FCA said a few things about PI insurance and how this could affect it, but I suppose, its general consensus was that it doubts this scheme will affect the wider PI market. What are your thoughts on that? Um, we're sceptical. Um, we're sceptical for a number of reasons. We think the figure that they are estimating of total compensation is a significant underestimate. Mm. We think um, that they uh, the number of firms that could fail and the cost that will be passed on to the FSCS is likely to be an underestimate as well. Mm. Um, and that's for two reasons. One, we think um, there is probably an underestimate within the specific scheme and the specific um, handling of British Steel. But this will also formalise and encourage people to seek 
compensation um, from across the DB transfer market. It was just setting be, a precedent. Is that probably the right term for it? I think it is setting a precedent and it is creating a, a process and a set of standards that you would expect the FOS or any court to use to base their decision. So I cannot imagine a scenario where FOS, for example, would say, well, if this was a British Steel case, it would have been compensated under the British Steel scheme. Mm. But it's not, so we're not going to. Like, this will become the de facto standard across the DB market. The publicity generated from it is likely to encourage claims management companies uh, and the media to encourage others to um, to, uh, to to seek compensation. And that will have an impact across the market as a whole, rather than just limited to British Steel. And it will, in particular, formalise some of the issues that are on the edge. Now, there are a number of people where there are really clear-cut issues um, with British Steel, uh, where the, the customer has been misled. They do definitely deserve to be compensated. There are a, a number of other areas where actually the customer did understand what they were doing, um, did um, get advice that explained the risks, the challenges, um, that may still be liable for compensation under this scheme, mm. even if actually they're reasonably happy with the decision that they made. So it could open the floodgates, essentially. Yeah, and it will certainly um, enable... Uh, enable a clearer sense of where a case may have stepped over over the line mm -hmm. what do you think this will happen to the you, you briefly went over it before what do you think this will do to the you know, the already ailing db transfer market yeah i mean we have already as i said seen the, the size of the market halve we're seeing uh, many pii providers not wanting to provide cover at all and um, when you when insurers won't price a risk, that is normally because they don't feel they can accurately predict um, the, the regulatory environment in this space. So it's not just that it's got more expensive. They do not feel it is a, a coverable or manageable risk because it's mm. so unpredictable. Now, that is likely to mean that more and more reputable firms step back from this market. And one of the concerns that we have is because the FCA's uh, way of assessing suitability makes it almost impossible to provide DB transfer advice that is not do not do this, mm. um, which is not something many customers are happy to pay for. And many, many customers are seeking this advice because they've already decided this is something they want to do. Um, that mismatch between a, a regulatory standard that makes it almost impossible to recommend a transfer, no matter how much detail you go through the customer's needs. Customers who are wanting a particular outcome um, is going to make it very, very hard for firms to operate in this market, mm. unless they are firms looking to exploit people. And one of our concerns is that what will happen is the reputable firms offering good advice will decide this is too risky and it will leave a huge opportunity for the charlatans 
to exploit people's desire to access that money um, and, and potentially uh, lead them to be defrauded or, or to lead them to invest in wildly unsuitable products. Um, you could see, you know, a, another sort of LCF style products, for example. Mm. So it could potentially have the exact opposite effect um, of the FCA's enforcement um, against, sorry, enforcement um, against DB transfer advice over the past few years. Yeah, and I think there is a challenge there. I mean, it's a bit of a caricature, but you can read their their assessment, their standards. And in effect, what they think is that people should only transfer out of a DB scheme if they are either very, very wealthy and therefore are not remotely reliant on, on the income mm. or are very, very sick and therefore um, are unlikely to get many years of payment. Now, that is a very small group of, of individuals and for the vast majority of people, they will consider the transfer um, to be inappropriate from a regulatory perspective. Um, and because of that, and the fact that there is actually a huge consumer demand to access pension freedoms, to access flexibility, something that they say is not uh, sufficient to be deemed suitability, uh, to be um, included within suitability. Someone saying, I want to transfer because I want more flexibility, that isn't, um, uh, does not meet their requirements. Um, it, it, it is a market which actually you are likely to have a lot of very difficult conversations with customers um, who do not, who are then not able to do what they, they want to do and are not mm. able to execute. Now we've gone over PI insurance. How could this affect this redress scheme affect if it goes through the FSCS levy? Um, this is yet another area where because um, they are predominantly looking at advice, not, not the product, um, and not whether the um, pension scheme offered a fair transfer value, um, where the majority of cases, this will be eligible for FSCS compensation mm. um, because of, of the advice. And we believe that there will be a significant number of firms that will fail. We have seen some evidence in the market of people lifeboating, so deliberately hiving off their DB risk and then allowing that firm to fail separately. Um, all of which encourages and increases the cost pressure on the compensation scheme. Now, for most financial advisors, that will not lead to a significant increase in your bill because you've already reached the cap of what they think is acceptable. But for larger firms, a lot of this will go into the retail pool and um, is likely to put even more upward pressure on that, that general retail pool. And it certainly is going to mean it will take even longer to get things heading in the right direction and the bill overall um, reducing year on year. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> I suppose, yeah, the FCA has got its F FSCS. Um, well, part of the, its re recent consultation last year in September about the FS lowering, sorry, stabilising the FSCS levy and then uh, potentially lowering after that. And I suppose this could have, um, could potentially have a detrimental effect on that. I think um, 
every new significant compensatable event takes us in the wrong direction. And I think it's yet more uh, evidence of sort of PIMFA's central recommendation on how you reduce the FSCS levy, which is you focus your supervisory and regulatory resources on preventing harm in the first place. If more action had been taken in 2016, 2017, um, we would arguably now not be in this case. So prevention has to be at the heart of any strategy to reduce the cost of the compensation scheme. Mm -hmm. um, now, as part of the scheme, if it goes through, one of the FCA's suggestions is that IFAs will have to mark their own homework, essentially, to decide whether the redress is payable to steel workers. Is this the right move? What's their thinking behind that? So I think this probably is a sensible move because I, th I think what they are trying to do is um, minimise the amount of additional bureaucracy that they are creating uh, and make it as fast and as straightforward a process as possible. Many firms will have already had a look at their DB transfer advice. There is some new guidance uh, to help firms assess uh, that advice in this particular case. Um, that goes beyond the guidance that, that they've already um, already published. And so there are some clear steps that firms can take. Uh, and then there is always the FOS if um, customers do not agree with how that process has been, been followed. But I think the aim of um, trying to ensure that this is done in a way that um, minimizes additional bureaucracy and additional cost is probably the right way to go. Perfect. And finally, uh, just to remind our listeners, Tim, when it when does the consultation close? And when are we looking at um, seeing any form of redress in? So um, the consultation um, is uh, closing now you're asking me questions that i have to just double check the, <laughs> sorry i should have done that myself double check the answer to you here um the consultation closes um on the 12th of may there we go uh and they would expect any compensation scheme to be in place in early 2023 vast majority would receive compensation either that year or in early 2024. This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk.